Angina? I said to Dr. Lewis five weeks later. You're telling me I've got angina? My heart was pounding. The humiliating examination of my naked body was over, and now we sat, fully clothed, in his narrow office with his desk between us. I could feel sweat forming on my hands. Dr. Jack Lewis looked at me strangely. Not angina. I said reflux. Reflux. Oh, it sounded like angina. Reflux sounded like angina, he asked, frowning. I guess I'm just tense, I said. What the Christ is reflux? Reflux esophagitis, he said proudly. It's a digestive problem. If I could show you a picture of your esophagus, you would think it was Mount St. Helens. When you lie down at night, your stomach dumps acid back into the esophagus. That's why you have that discomfort in your chest that you always think is a heart attack. I felt a momentary sense of relief. I wasn't dying, after all. But then I remembered how often I pick up USA Today and discover that doctors have been wrong all along about something or other. The apprehension began to rise in me again. I was in Dr. Lewis's office because I had become terrified about my health. My heart seemed to beat too often. My fingers trembled over the keyboard on my word processor— and often I felt as if a load of laundry had been stuffed into my chest cavity. I had pretty much worn out the self-diagnosis symptom chart in my home medical encyclopedia, so Lewis seemed to be my only recourse. The breakup of my marriage and Molly's death had made me a physical wreck. Plus, at no extra charge, every time I looked into a mirror, I saw the face of a man who was falling in love with a woman he could never have— and a coward who was backing away from investigating his friend's probable murder just because he didn't want to have his throat sliced open like a beefsteak tomato. It was February. My credit cards were maxed out, article assignments were getting harder to come by, and my investigation of Molly's death was beginning to feel like a memory. The only sleuthing I'd done in two months was the relative safe mission of tracking down the four witnesses to the accident— they all agreed that Molly had been hit by a black or blue or white or possibly red Buick, Mazda, sports car, or as one of them put it, one of those European cars. What do you call them? None of the witnesses had gotten a good look at the driver. Jack Lewis's brown eyes sparkled, as they always did when he talked about disease. He was a handsome fellow— I'd known him for five years and had noticed that he was one of those rats who get better looking as they get older. I couldn't help wondering if anything disgusting had happened in his office that day, but I wasn't in a mood to ask. He smiled. He seemed especially delighted to describe to me the lower esophageal sphincter. Drawing pictures in the air with his long fingers, he explained the ways in which my sphincter was malfunctioning. Then he stared down at my entire medical history, which was spread out on his desk, much the way I imagine a coroner's report would be. There was a long silence while he read, now and then murmuring meaningfully and tapping his silky brown mustache. If I had still been with Anne at the time, I would have suspected that he was going to call my wife in later and tell her, Look, Anne, Scotty is dying from one of the worst things I have ever seen. I only told him it was reflux so he wouldn't make a scene in the office. But frankly, he's doomed. However, since my only contact with Anne since October had been through her lawyer, 
and since I had no close relatives that Dr. Lewis could shock with the news, I concluded that he was telling the truth. What's the cure? I asked. Lewis stood up. Put some six-inch wooden blocks under the head of your bed, he said. That will keep the acids from pouring back into your esophagus. That's all? A little carpentry and I'm cured? Lewis shook his head. No more caffeine or alcohol, he said. Christ! Or chocolate, he said. No tea, no onions, no garlic. Anything else? No peppermint. No orange juice, no lemon juice, no tomato juice, that sort of thing. That sort of thing? You mean food? I've got a list, he said. From the top drawer of his desk, he took out a prescription pad and a list of the never-to-be-eaten. What's going on, Doc? I said. I never had to worry about things like my esophagus before. You were never middle-aged before.